On the record on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. Now, I said just before the news that the forthcoming Stormont election, which will have been and gone uh, inside the next three weeks, is possibly the most significant election to Stormont that there's ever been. I don't think that's over-egging the pudding because we have come to understand Stormont as being a place where you do have power-sharing, literally a power-sharing uh, administration between nationalists and unionists. And that all looks like it might be a little bit up in the air, depending on what happens in the next three weeks and then what happens in the short period afterwards. Uh, we're joined on the line by Alex Kane, who is once upon a time a press officer with the Ulster Unionist Party, now a journalist, commentator and columnist with the Irish News, and by David McCann, who's a politics lecturer and a political commentator as well, most notably found on Slugger O'Toole. Uh, good afternoon to you both and happy Easter. Thank you both for joining us. Um, first of all, Alex, just to, to sort of establish the ground rules, um, do we now take it for granted or is there still any prospect of Sinn Féin not being the largest party in the next Stormont Assembly? Morning, Gavin. Uh, I think it's unlikely at this point. All we can do at this stage is go by by the polls, the opinion polls we've had in Northern Ireland, also by the anecdotal evidence that you know we pick up from, and David will be doing the same. You talk to people on the campaign trail, you talk to the parties, and over the years, I've learned to trust them when they tell me they're having a bad time or they're having difficulties. And the DUP are quite, quite not happy to admit, but willing to <laughs> confirm when I say I, I'm told that some of your doorstep reception is not what it used to be, and they're admitting that. So if you put, they are actually disclosing together, it to you directly when you ask them. Yes, they do. Well, it's one of those things. We've been, I've been in this game 40-odd years of work, working for the Ulster Unionist Party and also as an observer. So they know that if, if I ask them, there's no point lying to me because I will say, well, well I've just talked to four people in those four doors there. And then, <laughs> so that's we... And it, it, parties do this, you know, for all the stuff they say, great reception on the doorstep and the tweets and so on, Gavin, when you talk to them privately, one, you know, just on the, off the record, so you say, look, is it? are you having difficulties? And I know they're having difficulties, partly because having worked for the Ulster Unionist Party, I remember... What the difficulties we had and why the DUP were able to eclipse it. And I think a lot of the problems that we had back then, they're having right now. But it comes down, you know, because it's the, the, the single transferable system, so it's one of those things where technically the, the Sinn Féin could still emerge as the largest party in terms of overall votes. But if the, if the unionists do their transfers properly, if they get their act together and all the, the three or four unionist parties involved in the election manage to go from their first preference right the way through, it's still possible that the, the final outcome will be much, much closer mm. than uh, people think. In when, fact, when, so close, in fact, Gavin. It is just possible that the DUP could nip ahead with one extra seat. When you say that the, the you see the DUP now having the same problems that the Ulster Unionists had when you were involved with them a, a, a little while back, um, are they losing votes to, to the, the traditional Unionist voice, to TUV, to Jim Allister's party, or are, is some of it actually going back in the other direction towards Doug Beattie and the Ulster Unionists now? Well, I think there'll be a, a section. Again, it, we, we don't know. It's not a scientific experiment. But, but I do know there'll be some DUP voters who would worry that the DUP has been pushed into a position in which uh, the whole assembly and the Good Friday Agreement could collapse. They don't want that to happen. So they may decide to, to return to the Ulster. Because many of them are former Ulster Union. They may return, in other words, almost to back devolution to make sure the whole power sharing experiment doesn't go down. But there's another section, which is a much more difficult to calculate section. And so people have been turning up at the anti-protocol rallies they actually seem to want the Good Friday Agreement destroyed they want power sharing brought down because they believe and, and they may have some evidence for this they believe that devolution and the Good Friday Agreement is actually doing more harm to unionism 
than just returning to some form of direct rule, even though that direct rule will involve Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. the very man who lumbered them with the protocol. So I think when unionists go into this election, that's why it's interesting. You're right, it could be a genuinely interesting election because unionists are faced with choices. Go back 15 years when the UUP was eclipsed by the DUP. Unionists basically had one choice. If you weren't voting for the Ulster Unionist Party, you went straight to the DUP. This time it's different. <laughs> Unionism is divided on the protocol, but it's also divided on the agreement itself and what they do on the day, Gavin. And we don't know yet. It's, a lot of this is guesswork. But what they do on the day will decide whether the DUP in three weeks' time might be having its fourth leader in just over 15, 16 months. God, that's some thought. Uh, let's bring in David McCann, a political commentator, as I said, with Slugger O'Toole. Uh, David, good morning, and thank you for, for taking our call this lunchtime, and happy Easter morning, to you. Um, it sort of does seem like it is a Rubicon crossed, really, that if people are now voting, not for what shape they want the Assembly to be, but rather that they may actively be voting because they want the Assembly gone altogether. That, that's pretty dangerous territory to be moving into. Well, it is. And look, there's always been a section of unionism that has, you know, uh, how do I phrase this, has always questioned the value, you know, of power sharing. Um, it, it, it is out there. It has been in more recent years been manifested in the TUV and their support. Um, but it is, I still think, though, I, I still think it, is, it isn't something that mainstream unionism um, uh, will believe. Now, now, unionism has their frustrations with the Good Friday Agreement. Unionism has their frustrations with the way things are set up at Stormont. But I do believe, you know, that 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 kind of narrative of, look, the only people that unionists can depend on to protect themselves are themselves. You know, they've, they've you know, Alex will remember how many times has a British government, uh, uh, particularly of a conservative strike, you know, um, uh, did, uh, did the mean unionist party over how many times have they reneged on promises? And the only real insurance policy that they that they effectively have is the devolved institutions here. Now that does become more complicated if Sinn Féin are the lead party. Uh, that becomes much harder. But it, you know, as you pointed out there, you know, we have crossed many Rubicons before in Northern Ireland. You know, how many times have we heard, "Oh well, if this happens, the union will go." We heard that about one man, one vote. We heard that about power sharing altogether in the 1970s. Uh, we heard that about North South bodies. These things came and gone. Mm. Uh, it came and went. And last time I checked, Northern Ireland is still in the UK. So the, the reason why this sort of feels like it's a pivotal election, and David, I'll get you to start on this, is because um, it, there, there does look like, as I put to Alex, that the, the prospect that Sinn Féin would come out as the largest party, sure. and therefore Sinn Féin will be entitled to claim the, the position, the title of First Minister. Now, Sinn Féin have been remodelling the role of Deputy First Minister in the last couple of years as Joint yeah. First Minister, highlighting the fact that, in fact, they are two joint offices, and one title might sound more senior than the other, but they are, in fact, equal in terms of rank and prominence and that sort of sure. begs the question then as to what really would be the, sim- the, the the true practical value and what would be the problem for the DUP if Sinn Féin had the title of First Minister because it seems like it's it's only literally only symbolism yeah well um, the Sinn Féin uh, Vice President Michelle O'Neill will get to meet the Queen first um, uh, and that's the dream of every Sinn Féin leader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, thrilled, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a protocol difference. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's a joint office. The, the, you know, Michelle O'Neill has no more power the day after than she did the day before. It is a symbolic one. Now, I don't think we should downplay that. There are many things in Northern Ireland where symbolism matters. And, you know, people, people often vote with their hearts over their heads. So it does have that. Uh, it does have that big symbolic nature. Of course, don't forget, Gavin, in every devolved legislature that we have had since 1921, it has always had the unionist in what is seen as the main role. So, you know, 
I don't downplay the symbolism of it, but in terms of substance, it's an absolute sham argument. And this is something that, you know, you have the Alliance, the SDLP and the Ulster Unionist parties, you're running around the campaign, pulling their hair out. Sometimes almost, you almost see Colin Eastwood, the SDLP leader, in almost frustration, talking about this, going, there is no difference. Now, it is symbolic. Um, you know, obviously Sinn Féin are going to probably, you know, the, the, the narrative of wanting Miriam MacDonald as Taoiseach, Michelle O'Neill uh, as First Minister, you know, and that will kind of give them a bit of a spring in their step towards Border Hope. But, 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 but I, 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 I think we should be clear about this. Even if Sinn Féin come back with one or two seats behind the DEP, they're still going to push for a border poll. You know, it is not going to be, you know, the, the, the first ministership is not the only route for Sinn Féin to pursue that campaign for a border Yeah, and it's not like they've been sort of sitting, waiting for a moment to start looking for it in, in no, the years totally. up until now. Um Alex, they sort of begs then because there seems to be two sort of existential threats. Assuming that the election turns out the way that the opinion polls are suggesting, one is that the DUP or any other unionist refuse to participate in an executive in which uh, Michelle O'Neill has the title of first minister because there's this whole kind of red scare argument almost that they're going to go and try and uh, dissolve Northern Ireland. And then the other is um, the concerns around the protocol and the idea that the DUP saying, "Well, we collapsed the last executive because of the protocol. We're not going to form a new one until the protocol stuff is sorted out to our satisfaction." It sort of seems like both are almost a deliberately too high a bar. They're almost kind of deliberately making Stormont unsalvageable. Well, I, I think they are a ridiculously high bar. And I suspect that key people in the DUP and UUP know. And I think it's one of the reasons that the Ulster Unionist Party withdrew from what was supposed to be a joint unionist anti-protocol rally strategy in the lead up to the election. Because, as Doug Beattie no- noted, this has ceased to be just about the protocol. It's now become about the uh, the assembly and the Good Friday Agreement itself. And we are stepping back yeah, from so that. We, so we just explain that then for, for listeners who aren't sort of familiar with the, sort of the setup. So there have been, as you mentioned, these, these Friday evening rallies uh, among uh, unionists and loyalists in opposition to the protocol. And once upon a time, uh, Doug Beattie of the UUP was intending to participate in those, and now he's not. No, he's not. Um, I think it's also worth noting that the it, it's just one of the ironies of unionism whenever it talks about unity. These David will know this. The, 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 these last few rallies, whatever the intent of the rallies in terms of setting out the unionists' uh, problems with the protocol, they've always been overshadowed by unionists attacking each other. Doug Beattie being accused of being a traitor. We had Sammy Wilson, one of the great figures in the DUP, being booed by unionist loyalist audi- yeah. audience. Jim Allister, on, you know, well, with the DUP leader standing right behind him waiting to make his speech, Jim Allister of the TUV is attacking the DUP for, for selling out. And I think... The two things I think are worth saying here um, in terms of what you, when you mentioned about getting the Assembly back up again, everything, Gavin, everything in my, having watched this for so long, everything I know about unionism, um, I think they, if, 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 that, if it comes to a push, comes to shove, and the Assembly looks like it'll collapse, I have no doubt whatsoever that the DUP and UUP, even if they have to do it together, will find a way in which one of them can be Deputy First Minister because they are not going to allow this to collapse and they're not going to allow it to be mothballed for years on end. But I think there's one other thing just, uh, I just wanted to mention back to what David said, you asked about this question, but the symbolism. It's more than just uh, symbolism, this title. For, for unionism, and never underestimate in any situation the importance of perception and psychology. Unionists, as David mentioned from 1921, they have always provided the, the prime minister or the chief executive or the first minister. Four years ago, they lost their overall majority in the assembly. There are now 40 unionists people who say who's put unionist in their election material mm. to 50 non-unionists but more so 
that was the first blow. If they return in three weeks' time, that they're still a minority in the Assembly, but worse, they're no longer the biggest party, and the title of First Minister, that is a huge blow for them. They've built it up so much, Gavin, stupidly in my opinion, because they know the rules. Largest party forms First Minister, it's that simple. But they've built it up so much, they are in danger of talking themselves into a cul-de-sac from which there is no sensible exit route. Um, David, I don't want to, to over-egg the prospect of there being any kind of unrest more than there already is uh, in mm. the North. But um, if we get into a situation where um, Sinn Féin do, inverted commas, win the election, if they come out as the largest party, if they're entitled to claim the office of First Minister, even if it is only of a similar rank to what they've already got, and the Unionists, one way or another, refuse to play ball and decide that they don't like the way that this has all turned out, so they, they bring their football and they go home. What do you think happens on the ground by way of any kind of a reaction of nationalist voters who will say hang on we were prepared to play second fiddle for the last 25 years while we were outnumbered and now we've won an election and you guys are deciding just not to play ball um on the national side i don't think there will be anything like that um but for the very simple reason of is that you know nationalism kind of having its act together really since brexit has helped, um, you know, engaging in, in the political process has helped further him. And don't forget, Gavin, you know, the, ultimately, the way that the, the only way that the constitutional position of Northern Ireland can be changed from a nationalist perspective is is written down. You know, it can only happen yeah. through a referendum. And, and and having and having any kind of you know uh, um, you know disturbances, any kind of lack of calm in the environment makes of it makes the prospect of ever getting a poll all that much harder. So I think in terms of, in terms of that from the national side, it you know it wouldn't happen. So, you know, so they I need to keep the ship steady basically because if there's any kind of unrest to... or unease, then their, their yeah, ultimate yeah, long term goal is never going to happen. Yeah, and that's how Sinn Fein and the SDLP have fought this election. You know, geez, we're, we're the grown ups in the room. You know, the DUP don't have don't have a clue what they're doing. The DUP are all over the place. Unionism has been all over the place since Brexit, and you can lump the Ulster Unionist Party into that. Um, uh, as well, and the TV, and so that you know, basically, it's this, it, 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 it's that kind of approach of you know, steady as uh, as she goes. I mean, I, I'll just make mention of you know the party election broadcast from Sinn Fein uh, this year. I mean, if you close your eyes and just listen to the messaging, or if you just read the script, you would be well, you could you could be forgiven for thinking it was from the Alliance Party for how shared future it is, how how, how moderate yeah. it is, how how tolerant and tone it is, and that's very much the campaign that Sinn Fein are running. Um, now, Alex, then on on the other side, what happens if we do have a situation? I know you've you've uh, you foresee that this doesn't happen because one way or another they'll find a way to get Stormont up and running and they'll 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 swallow whatever they need to do and they'll grit their teeth, but that it will work. If it doesn't work, and you have a situation where nationalism has now inverted commas won an election and suddenly the rules of the game are being disregarded, and you don't have a functioning Stormont and you do end up having direct rule being run by London from a government that is clearly throw Northern Ireland under the bus in a couple of ways. Um, what do you think is the mood among the ground for, Nash- for, for loyalists? I, I, I think it's extraordinarily difficult for them because uh, they, they're in a position, Gavin, I think, for, for your listeners who don't follow the nerdy details as much as I do about Northern Ireland politics. It's this sense that what they thought was happening in, in, the, in, the, in the Brexit referendum was that they were, you know, copper fastening their, their sovereignty by standing. Whatever decision was taken, they would stand with the, the British government. But as David has noted <laughs> in his own comments earlier, every time they put their faith in the British government, they are, they are done over. They are betrayed. Whatever word, they, you know, of the day they choose to use, that's what's happening to them. Their problem now is that I think there's a section of unionism to say they wouldn't care if there's a you know a six month delay or a year delay the whole thing collapses because we need to bear in mind that they 
The Loyalist Communities Council, which is the, the umbrella group which represents the three Loyalist paramilitary groups which supported the Good Friday Agreement, they have withdrawn their support from the Good Friday Agreement. To all intents and purposes, the Orange Order has also withdrawn its support from the Good Friday mm. Agreement. So, th so that means that they basically, they, they effectively are endorsing the return to direct rule? Well, I, I'm not it? sure. To be, to be honest, you know, I'm not sure what they're endorsing because if if they, if that is their argument, we want direct rule, then that direct rule can only come from our through a British government working hand in glove as it has done since 1972 with an Irish government. I'm not sure how that makes their position more uh, you know any safer. My worry would be, and it comes back to your original question here. <sighs> Is there a possibility that loyalists on the ground might get so rattled by events, might get so upset or, or worried if the protocol isn't removed? And I don't expect any major change to the protocol, that there are elements who might decide to up the ante. I cannot rule that out. I think mm. there's a possibility there, which is why I think the Ulster Unionist Party and DUP in particular will be working extremely hard because once you lose control, once you lose control of your grassroots agenda, it doesn't matter which side you are, whether you're nationalists, who are having a, a great time. Sinn Féin, have, David's right about their broadcast. They were able to have that broadcast because it's the old, as the Abraham Lincoln thing, when, when your enemy's all over the place, you know, <laughs> don't, don't make your position difficult. Just just play, sound nice and be nice. And that's the difficulty. Unionism and loyalism is very, very divided right now. There are five or six different narratives and strategies Lead in the lead up to this election, what the result is afterwards, you know, I, I, I could call this for years with any with a reasonable degree of certainty. Again, I, I don't know if I can anymore because there are new yeah. voices, there are new vehicles that weren't even in place two years ago that have have emerged post Brexit. And what they choose to do after the election is at the moment anybody's guess. And I think that's why then you've just vindicated me when I said it was the most pivotal Stormers election that there's ever been. Uh, on which note, uh, self triumphant note, uh, we will <laughs> leave it. Um, Alex Kane, former UEP press officer, journalist, and columnist with the Irish News. Thank you, David McCann, uh, political commentator with Slugger O'Toole and lecturer in Ulster University. Thank you for joining us this lunchtime as well. Uh, the election is uh, Thursday fortnight, so no doubt in three weeks' time we'll be discussing an awful lot about where Northern Ireland goes.